0: everyone has been through something so and if they hadn't then my jokes wouldn't be funny
1: To my podcast. My name is Katie Delbow. I am your host, and this week's episode is one I've been excited to air for a really long time, as you'll hear in a moment, or actually, you just heard from in the intro quote from Beth Stelling. She's a comedian and a really cool, kind person, as you'll also hear in this episode. I was so happy to be able to connect with her. She knows. Friends of the podcast, Simmy and Tim. She actually went to school with them. And so we talk about them a little bit in this episode. So I'm so grateful that they connected me with Beth. I originally heard her on the Pete Holmes podcast, which you guys know I love. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. And I'd wanted to interview Beth for a long time, and then Simi and Tim told me that they know her, and we got connected, and we recorded this a couple months ago, so you'll still hear some some old references, like Adele's album had just come out, and obviously it's been out for a bunch of time now, and... You'll hear some other old references, like I ask my old signature question about the Wellness Wonderland, which I still love and I still might ask people, so it was cool to hear Beth's answer to that and her answer to a bunch of other questions. We talk about L.A. and moving to L.A., which was cool because I'd never been to L.A. when we recorded this, and now I have, so I understand what she means more, and we hear about... Creativity and comedy, and her writing process, and body image, and so much more. She's just a delightful person. It's a delightful interview. And this week's podcast is sponsored by North Books, which is my favorite new journal company. And I talked to the founder and CEO, Zeb of North Books, at the end of this episode, and I get to know him, and he's just a really cool dude I'm excited to hang out with and be friends with, and he sent me a bunch of journals that I've been giving out on my book tour for my book, Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling, available now in Barnes & Noble on Amazon. Be sure to check it out if you haven't already, and it's great. I I was in Chicago... Last weekend, and I was able to give out journals there and in Columbus, so thank you to North Books, and be sure to check them out. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show this week. It's been amazing to have these journals to be able to give to people to go with the book, and they're the same perfect size as the book, which I talked about in the interview, so... Anyway, very exciting. The only update for me is that if you want to hear it, this podcast done live in front of an audience with two guests in Toronto, you're in luck because on August 6th, I will be in Toronto with a live episode of the podcast with my friends Nikki and Davida. So, information on that, how to get tickets, is all in the show notes of this episode. So, Sign up. Tickets are $10 and the proceeds go to support Real Girl, the organization that I love so much that actually Pete Holmes' girlfriend, Valerie, works for and got me connected with. And the founder, Anaya, will be coming on the podcast super soon. So I'm really excited to support them. Real Girl means a lot to me. It's a really important organization to me. I was looking for a great charity to support with my work and this is the perfect one. So I hope to see a lot of you in Toronto And until then, enjoy this episode with Beth. Be sure to check out her website, which is in the show notes. It's sweetbeth.com, but it's also in the show notes for her tour date. She might be coming somewhere near you, and that would be really cool for you to go see her comedy show. I can't wait to see her live. Someday, really soon, I'm sure, and tell her hi, tell her you heard her on the on the podcast, and she is also writing for the show Crashing, which is pete Holmes' show on h b o and she's writing on it, which is just so, so cool, and I know it's going to be fantastic, and she told me in an email that it is airing in February, which is so soon, and I'm so excited to know that so Anyway, be ready to check that out in February, and be ready now to check out her website. Grab your tickets for Toronto, check out my book, and again, I know it's tedious, I know it's kind of dumb, and I say it every week, but leaving a review on iTunes helps so much, and subscribing, but most of all, share the show with a friend. If you like it, if it makes you feel less alone, if it makes you feel like you want to smile, or laugh perhaps, or... Maybe it just keeps you company on your commute. Share it with a friend who also might have a long commute. Or maybe they work from home and they don't have a commute at all, but they might like a podcast too. You never know. So just share it. Thank you so much to Beth. Thank you to North Books. Check them out. They're really great. Stick around for the end of the episode when I will tell you who's coming on the show next week. One more thing, just to give you an FYI that we had some Skype issues, some internet issues actually with this, so Beth actually had to call in on the telephone, so it's kind of old school, which is cool, it sounds very radio-y, like she's calling into the program, so it might sound a little bit different, so just be aware of that, you should be able to hear her perfectly, we messed with the audio levels a little bit, so hopefully you can hear everything, but just FYI, it might sound a little bit different from when we record over the interweb. So enjoy Beth Stelling. Guys, welcome back. Beth Stelling is here, and not only is she a famous comedian who's been on Conan and Jimmy Kimmel and the Pete Holmes show, but she's also old friends with one of my best friends, Simmy and Tim, who you guys also know from the podcast. So thank you so much for being here, Beth. No, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Yay! Yeah, we made it, we finally figured that out with the internet and the time zones, and we're talking, so this is so amazing. I'm so glad you're here.
0: <laughs> yes, thanks for being easygoing, too. We're both yeah, um, pretty chill people, Yeah, I exactly. think.
1: <laughs> yes, maybe that's why I like you so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very low-key. You're in L.A., but you, like me, are from the Midwest, right? And you grew up in Ohio? I know you went to school there.
0: Yes, I grew up in Southwest Ohio and stuck around there to also uh, go to college there, which is where I met Simmy and Tim. Tim first, then Simmy.
1: And you and Um, Simi worked at the bagel shop together.
0: Yes, we worked worked at Bagel and Deli together.
1: That's so funny. I had... um, we well, I don't know when this will come out, but I just was visiting them in Columbus, and we did a Valentine. I'm very ahead of the game, but we did a Valentine's Day episode for the podcast where they shared oh. about the bagel time. I think you know about the bagel time, but it's how Simi and Tim met, and it was the like Valentine bagel that he made her. So that was like the perfect festive story to tell, which was amazing. And I you were in it. the story, so you came up in that podcast too. I am honored. (laughs) Yeah. And then she was like, I think that somebody was like, I think you should interview Beth. And I was like, no way. Oh my gosh. That'd be amazing. And here we are.
0: (laughs) Yay. We made it work.
1: So how long have you been in LA? How old were you when you moved? I know you were in Chicago, um, for a while before that, right?
0: Yes. So I've been in Los Angeles for four years now. And, um, been here for four years and before that I was in Chicago for four years. And so I guess yeah. Um wait, was that the full question? Sorry, somebody yeah. started talking in the background. I have um an attention problem.
1: <laughs> no. I mean I'm
0: fully I'm fully in attention. <laughs> I just heard someone else's voice and uh then it left me. Yeah,
1: no is I've it been right? in LA for four years. I wanted to know <laughs> that was the question. That was that was a question. But I actually also want to know, what do you like living in L.A.? And, like, being from the Midwest, what's living in L.A. like? And what's yeah, you what know, do
0: you like I, about it? I kind of have to put myself back to the time in my life where I was going to move here because to really, like, you know, honestly answer the question because the answer is I love it here. I really enjoy living here. And I uh, – I don't really see myself moving anytime soon. But when I first was moving, it was a big deal. You know, like like anything that you can get used to. I remember there's fear involved with it. It's a huge move. It's really far away. It's literally across the country, over halfway across the country from home and from where I was living. And it's absolutely the unknown. So I came out here with a small amount of savings. I can't remember if it was... $1,200 Twelve hundred bucks or fifteen hundred bucks, but I saved that up. <laughs> I thought that was my savings. Um, and uh, and my mom happened to be uh, turning sixty, and so she was gonna get herself her first like new car. She never had a new car, so she's gonna give me her old car. So I was out here with like twelve hundred bucks, my mom's old Mercury Sable, all my stuff in the car, my bike on the back, and. I didn't, you know, you can't really know what to expect. I I'd visited a handful of times, come and done shows on my own, stayed with friends, checked it out, which actually really, I mean, it's not a surprise. When you visit, that will form how you feel about L.A. Because people will visit here and uh, can really have a bad time, and then they'll never like L.A. or they will not want to move here. But I had such good visits here before I moved. I think some people come and stay in a neighborhood that they don't like, Cause just like any major city, there's so many different neighborhoods oh, yeah. and they all, you know, they're all so different. So if you stay in Hollywood and that sort of gritty uh, vibe is not your thing, then, yeah, you're going to think L.A. is pretty girls. But if you stay up in, like, someone's beautiful apartment in the hills of Silver Lake, you're gonna it's like, wow, this could be my life. So I think the coolest part about living out here was, you know, the f- you know, it's scary. There's a, there is there is a fear of the unknown, so it's a risk. Now I'm not saying I don't experience any sort of uncertainty, but I've worked eight years in stand-up and four years out here to get where I am now. And I'm, you know, I'm always working towards something new, but I've come a long way for sure, where I have to actually remember that there was fear involved. You know, it's just like when someone asks me, like, do you get nervous before you go on stage? It's like, well, I'm not impenetrable, but, you know, I don't get nervous before regular shows. If I start to think, sometimes I'll get my heart beating or I start to overthink something. Or, yeah, if I'm performing, if I'm doing a television uh, set, then, yeah, my heart is probably pumping more. I'm thinking, and, but I'm not, um, you know, what am I trying to say? Immobilized. Yeah. mobilized by it.
1: It's probably it gets to the point where it's like it's your job, just like you know anybody else having a job. You might be nervous, like for some things, like some big yeah. things, or like the yeah, first you don't time. you
0: don't go to work nervous. Yeah. But if you had to give a presentation, or you're going on to the Today Show, share one of your findings or something right. new that you like. It's like then yeah, your your blood's gonna pump a little quicker, and it should because otherwise you may yeah. be dead.
1: Yeah, exactly. So did you know um, growing up as a kid that – what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? Did you always say stand-up comedian or did you want to be something else?
0: Yeah, I think I always wanted to be a veterinarian. I can't remember anything else really. (laughs) Yeah. I can't remember really wanting to be anything else. That was my go-to for a very long time. Even until I was probably like 18, I was like, oh, maybe I'll study that. And then I think I like got a CNAP bio, which was generous, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was like, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe you gotta figure something you're actually good at. So, but yeah, it was it was that. But I was always the youngest, and I was always looking for attention and stuff. So, (laughs) I was always sort of a ham.
1: So then, when you came to college, you decided to study theater. So was that? did you want to be an actress at, at that point? You still do acting now. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to be a comedian?
0: I think like it was a couple weeks before um, I was about to go away to Miami and Miami University in Ohio, which is aforementioned college. Uh, I think I had this moment of like, crap, I want to study theater. And it was scary. And it's, the arts and not probably gonna be lucrative and you're paying a lot of money to attend school so that's where the risk and return doesn't seem like a good choice. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people sort of make that their last option or think they'll do it on the side or something like that. And I think I just had a moment where I was like, No, I wanna study theater you know, brave. Yeah. Um, and my mom, thankfully who uh, raised me in Ohio, always has been supportive. She's a pianist and studied performance piano. And uh, so she was always very, very supportive of everything I did. And uh, she didn't bat an eye at me wanting to go audition for the theater department. And because it was such a small school and not like a conservatory, I got a scholarship from that um, audition. And uh, so then that made it even more helpful and, I applied for like so, so, so many scholarships in my hometown, and then because I stayed in state, they also take some off that. So I was able to get through to college without any debt, which That's is very lucky. Um, I realize, and I did at the time too. And I had jobs. I was an RA and worked in the meal room and the bagel shop, as we as we said, yeah. <laughs> which has crept into many of my jokes.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I noticed that, and I always, I always think of Simmy and you, and I feel like I'm like, an insider. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of those people, I think, feel that way. A lot of bagel and dolly people like those jokes.
1: Yeah. I had
0: some of the girls come out that Simmy knows too when I was in New York City for New York Comedy Fest a couple weeks ago. Um, a couple of the bagel girls came out that Aww. that Simmy knows, and uh, they get a little woo when I
1: talked about the bagel. <laughs> okay. um, it's so great that you had your mom's support, and I think that's so crucial to your success in a lot of ways probably because I was, I was listening to this other podcast earlier today with BJ Novak. He was being interviewed, and he was saying that, um, you know, believing in yourself and having people believe in you really helps you because you can actually do the thing you want to do, like being an actor, a writer, a comedian – um, where other people like you said you know they'll take a job doing something else and then do that on the side or say they'll do that on the side but they're too tired or right. they don't they don't so um, how were you able to believe in yourself and like you had your your mom's support so that's obviously really helpful but um, were there ever other doubters or family members? Or did you doubt yourself when you, you know, either in school studying theater or after that when you decided to be a comedian and move to Chicago and L.A. and actually do it? Did you ever like, yeah. doubt if you could do it?
0: I think there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly had um, moments in my career where I thought either, like, why am I doing this? You know, what makes me special? Or, um, yeah, like I can't believe I'm trying I think there's you know I'm uh, a smart woman but I think there's also like a blind stupidity that has to exist for you um, to be able to because if you were very pragmatic and you you, you were to like um, actually do the math or research how many comedians you know, say i were that type of person that yeah. like researched how many comedians there were in Chicago and what they were up to how many projects they were working on and um, is there room for me and you know if I did that the answer would be no so um, I think there's like, I call it, I just said blind stupidity, which seems a little harsh, but mm-hmm. you have to have some sort of, there's a inflated sense of self that exists. I mean, there wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a scene of comic if I weren't self-centered in some sort of way in my life. Is, I mean, I'm the youngest of three. I, because I'm a comic I a a lot of my thoughts are me, 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 me which can be you know, detrimental to a regular lifestyle, which, you know, as much as I love living in LA, this is not a regular lifestyle. I am not normal. <laughs> I'm, you know, I find myself, I remember when I was still in Chicago and someone had found me, a manager who I've actually, like, since reconnected with, although she doesn't manage me, but she's a very talented woman, and is Kirsten and She represents people like Eliza Coop, the Improvised Shakespeare Company, so she has her, finger on the pulse of the Chicago scene because it's a smart thing to do. A lot of them will even go to New York or LA and she'd found me and she was just like, Hey, you guys, well, you know, writing for SNL or whatever. And I had just done stand up, So that was really all I knew to do. And I had figured that out on my own because I'd never really, you know, taken a class or done anything like that. But I was there and I thought to myself like, okay, well I can try or whatever uh but it's like the people like that sort of reaching out to you sometimes that help you along the way saying like hey you are good at this or you stand out to me yeah you know um and you kind of need that so it's not just me thinking I'm the greatest or something like that you know there's there's sometimes people along the the way um saying like hey you are you're a standout or I like what you do that yeah. push you to keep going obviously too if, you have to have some sort of success. I mean, there are comics who bomb constantly and continue to do it. And I don't know if they are so self like unaware that they don't know, or if they just don't care. And so they continue to do it. I kind of respect that too. But I've mentioned now a couple of times, like, Oh, I, I, you have to be like self-obsessed or self-centered. It's like, well, that's not true either. There's like, no one is one thing. So, you know, every, there's give and take. To everything. I lack balance sometimes, and so I'm not one thing. There are times where I'm like wildly insecure, I don't think I, you know, I'm not. I don't walk around and my success is based off the fact that I think I'm the greatest. That's absolutely not.
1: No, you're so what humble. I think. That's yeah, perfect. so I think what's, it's what's great about it. You know, I think that's what makes I, your success cooler.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. And with Kirsten, she said, I remember early on when she was like, hey, you have something special. And this was me just a couple years into seeing it up in Chicago, and I was so surprised and flattered and encouraged. But I remember her saying, like, are you dating anybody? And I was like, yeah, I'm living with a boyfriend um, who I work with at the daisel shop. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, if you pursue this, um, prepare for relationships to crumble. <laughs> and at the time – I'd already been through a lot with relationships in the sense that we all do. In our early 20s, it's very tumultuous. So at the time, I thought when I first started stand-up around 22, I thought I can't be happy to be funny. I can't be in a healthy, loving relationship to do well up here. Um, and that's not true. Uh, and I learned that over time. However, I've also had a relationship with a very uh, good man who I went to Miami and um dated for a while he's tattooed on the back and uh I have jokes about him but we didn't last and arguably it's because of my choices so it does lead back to this sort of I'm here and I'm not alone I I am alone on the road a lot and I do like solitude but yeah I mean it is sort of a it is sort of you got to look out for yourself type of thing. It's it is difficult to maintain relationships and what I'm doing. It's not impossible and I I just think I am here because I am driven, because I am stupid, because I am smart. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah.
1: you know, I think it's so think many that's things. Great advice, actually, like you yeah. have to you have to have a little bit of all of it to to go for your dreams and be a little bit naive but also really smart and street smart and be talented. So yeah.
0: Yes.
1: So I wait, talked for a while there, sorry. No, it's good. If you could like I guess you kind of already gave a bunch of advice, but if you were to give advice to someone who was going to go after their dream of doing something that like you said is not a normal thing. Yeah. What would what would yeah. you to tell them?
0: Well, two things. One, um, let's see. So, I guess I, I, you know, one thing I struggled with at Miami is sometimes I felt like the people that were teaching me uh, didn't love me. Really, like, it was one of those things where, and I think at the time I was naive and uh, I was kind of. It was more of this one of those things where I'm like, well, you don't like me because. You think I'm going to do better than you in this career, which is, you know, a that's that's a thought of a 22-year-old prick, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the, what they're trying to do is say, this is going to be hard, you know? What you're choosing to do, is this going to be hard, and can you handle it? Nobody likes this sort of scared, straight mentality, you know? So anything can happen, and that's a cool part of it. My friend Jen from Miami moved out here to do creative writing and not act at all and she was at the beach and got a new ring commercial on the spot. Some guy came up to her and was like, Hey, do are you interested in this? And she's like, Well, I don't know. Got mm-hmm. paid, you know, a ridiculous amount of money and put herself through creative writing school. So it's like anything can happen. I can't sit here and say, Oh, you think you you think you want to be a comic? Well get ready for twenty years of hell. Mm-hmm. It's like you could hit you could kill your first set. I did. And me and Tim were there. I destroyed. Now I watch the tape and it makes me want to vomit. Mm-hmm. But it's like they were my friends. They were there laughing. I had like truly—I think it was like seven, a ridiculous amount of people come out to my first like open mic. Like seventy people. So Did like we, support, help. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, not as terrified as I was like the very first time I let things come out of my mouth into a microphone. But and and once the fears gone it's not gone forever
2: yeah.
0: I still have times where I do a new club if I haven't been to a club and I'm going up for the first time it's the unknown I'm, I'm nervous
1: yeah
0: and I've been doing it for eight years which is a lot and nothing
1: I think it just um, means that you're alive and like excited about it
0: yeah and I don't know who these people are and I'm not familiar with the club and I don't know what I'm getting myself into
1: Yeah. New things are always scary. just like we were talking about the move, you know, like moving is scary. The relationships are scary. Like I think newness like really freaks us out as change freaks us out as humans, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think, yeah, I didn't like the
0: datedness of the professors kind of saying, I don't know, are you ready? Can handle this? And you have to have this and that and this and that. It's like – you know, I'm, I talked with a young comic in New York Comedy Fest, and um, I can't – honestly, I cannot remember his name, and it doesn't really matter for what I'm trying to get across, but it's like, you know, he could say, like, hey, how are things going? And I could look at him and say, like – "Does maybe say he wanted a Comedy Central special. That's one of his goals, and I had done that. So I could look at him, and I could say, like, yeah, probably going to be, like, five more years for you. Or he could get it next year. Yeah. Nothing makes sense. Yeah, Nothing makes sense. Yeah. So I remember, I went back to Miami – and uh, they had me talk to a writing class, um, and I had to do my best because I'm I'm 30, so I'm not some sort of like old jaded person who's bitter about Hollywood. I had to do my best to say like maintain hope and make a change and try to do what works for you and do what you think is funny. And because I did do that for many years when I first started, like people, you know, I didn't have tons of naysayers, but there are people on the comedy scene that were sort of like, you just whispered a punchline. Yeah. You even talk, you know what I mean? Like about how it was quiet and subtle and mm. that type of thing. And I was criticized for it. And I didn't go to a lot of open mics. I just did shows. And, um, so I got criticized for that. And it's like, well, I just did Yeah. You, ha- you know, I just did what I thought was funny. And I just kept going. So, yeah, and I didn't watch a ton of stand-up. I didn't, like, I wasn't marrying. The other thing, too, is no one's path is the same. You know, you can read Gene Lynch's book and be like, I want to be Jane Lynch. It's like, okay, well, do you want to live in Chicago 30 years ago? Well, that's impossible. Do yeah. you want to struggle with addiction to alcohol? I mean, you can try, but if it's not a part of your genetics, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you want to overcome this or that? Yeah. Or struggle with your sexuality and your identity. It's like everyone's path is different. And even saying that, it sounds like cliche, but literally no one's path is the same. You say, I want to be Kathy Griffin. It's like, well, you can't. I mean, she also, I mean, I guess the one through line for a lot of comedians is, um, you know, Carol Burnett is basically she's attributed um, to saying comedy is Tragedy Plus Time, but a lot of us have been through things. But then again, as a stand-up comic, because I talk about those things, and I revel in turning the darkness into laughter,
2: mm-hmm.
0: everyone has been through something. Yeah. So, and if they hadn't, then my jokes wouldn't be funny. Yeah. Because that's what I talk about. So... And it's not all I talk about, but, you know, that's the one thing. Sometimes people will message me or something and be 18. Like, I want to be a comic. It's like, I remember the first advice that was ever given to me by another comic. And they're just like, just do it. Mm.
2: And
0: then, and that's it. You literally just have to do the thing. Do the thing that you want to do. Yeah.
1: And that's apparently hard
0: enough in itself. Yeah, you can talk about it for a really long time, and then um, and then after that, maybe you're really good, but you don't do it again. Well, then you're not going to be the comedian, because you stop doing it. (laughs) You know, you nothing is permanent. Like I said, I can think that I've mastered some sort of any part of the. I have quote unquote art of stand up comedy and be thrown on my ass the next day. I can do the same club, five shows in one weekend and have four and have one be amazing. I can have three be really good. And I can have one be complete and utter shit that makes me feel like quitting.
1: Yeah. It's I like think- you,
0: know, it's like only remembering the bad comments on YouTube, which is a very real thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, I I agree. Like the same thing happens to me too. If you get, you know, one negative comment, you, that's the one you think of, even though there might be like 60 good ones that you just completely forget about. And, and practice makes perfect too. Is like the other thing, if you stop doing it, like you said, you won't, won't be as good. And I think we can apply this to, to anything, you know, that you're doing that you want to do.
0: I'm not a gymnast anymore because I haven't done gymnastics in 20 years. You know, but I was a gymnast. And yeah. I used to be really good. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
2: You
0: have to do a certain amount of upkeep.
1: Yeah, and you have to kind of choose okay. what's, what yeah. you want, where you want to focus. Yeah, like you have to keep shaving your legs. Unfortunately, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> You don't Um, have to, but... Yeah, or you're just hairy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what's your favorite part of of being a comedian?
0: I guess my favorite part, you know, I guess like pure joy is just being on stage and killing and um, having fans and the audience liking you enough that you can play and anything that comes out of your mouth that's new or riff um, is funny to them because you've won them over.
1: Do you have a a favorite set or like a memory where you felt like you made it or you felt like you were really proud of yourself?
0: Yeah, I mean, it always gets trumped. You know, nothing's permanent, like I said. So it's like I can be like that was the best set ever. And then I'll bomb the next day and then I'll have the best set ever another time. And, you know, and the same thing with like making it. I mean, I think I'd like to think everyone understands that you don't have one break. You know, you have a series of successes over time to prepare you for what is perceived by everyone as your big break. Yeah, You know, someone's just, you know, just in anything. Barack Obama wasn't just like a dude they fuck up the street. Right. He served his country for many, many years. So it's like, uh, I guess, let me see if what things. What was the again. first
1: moment where you were just like, okay, I'm definitely permanently a stand-up comedian? Did, or did were you set on that before even?
0: Yeah, it took me a long time to call myself a stand-up comedian because I think I was embarrassed Um of it for a while, and I also held it in high regard, and I wasn't just going to call myself a stand-up comedian out of nowhere. Yeah. So like, I had to earn it. And um, but yeah, I, I guess like something that stands out in my mind is just I used to write down my goals. I still do, but just not as much. But I remember writing like I want to perform at the Lakeshore Theater, which is now defunct, but in Chicago, and I got to perform there. I got to open for Mike the Stefano who um has since passed away. Before he died, he had like a little run on last comic standing, which is kind of even funny to bring up because that is such a it's an interesting thing for comics um to be a part of. But um that's also unfortunately how most people would know him. But he had a lot of fans too and he was really, really funny. And I got to open for him, which is like my first like huge comic I got to open for it and I was in the neighborhood of Lakeshore Theater and I uh, was getting some soup or something on Broadway at Soup Box and um, he walked in and he was like Beth and he bought my lunch Mm -hmm. and uh, which was just like uh, you know at that time I really needed it and also it was so cool of him and he said I was doing a good job and he had merch, which was like a little book of quotes, and uh, he wrote in that for me too. I'm just like, keep doing what you're doing.
1: Aww, that's so cool. That what a great memory.
0: Yeah, he has a pretty infamous, or, uh, I guess that's the word you could do to describe it, but story um, that he's told on the moss. He, um, I don't wanna call it the wrong thing. I, I don't know if he is. If it's HIV positive or he had AIDS, but he was a drug user for many years and he and his wife, um, both basically, like he was clean, obviously near the end of his life or not, obviously, but he's clean. Um, but he passed away, I guess from that, if I'm not mistaken, I just don't want to say that wrong. Um, but he has a story about his wife and her sort of last moments. That's really good to oh, find on cool. the
1: moth. I should listen to it. Yeah. I love the moth.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's heartbreaking, but yeah. A he's a good story he he's a good storyteller.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, what about the worst part of being comedian? Something that um that you don't love about it, if there's anything.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I guess like I mentioned earlier, there's you know, a sort of self centeredness to it, which affects everything. Your behavior affects everything. So I'm obviously talking in the first person. I'm talking about me. I did this the other day. I, 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 I. This happened to me, 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 me. So that's my job. I've turned into a job. <laughs> so I've noticed now, because I'm trying to become more aware and figure out what I'm all about, that it, you know it absolutely affects my relationships with people. I have really a lot of amazing, wonderful friends in and out of comedy, so I know that I'm not some sort of psychopath that's completely consumed with myself, you know? Um, but that can be troublesome sometimes or it just feels like, ugh, it makes me want to get it out of my own head. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. other things that
1: are... Is it something that... You kind of feel like you're always working because you're always commenting on your life. And is it a way that you kind of process your? Because I kind of imagine it as being like a way to process the world and a way to process your life through your art and process your emotions by writing about them and then talking to people about them. Or, but yeah, that I feel like if I would feel like I'm constantly doing that and, like, turning it off in relationships and, and just general life. Is that something that you struggle with?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think early on especially I, I certainly used it as therapy. Now I'm not excluding myself from this completely. I think early on I, I did – I remember getting comments from like, specifically, like, one dude after some show. I opened for a guy in several of Chicago, and he was like – he basically said, came up to me after the show and, and – was expressing that it was too dark for him, that I needed help, and I was fucked up. So it's like, I, early on, I think I definitely used it as a form of therapy. However, I'm not a fan of watching someone get up on stage and say, like, I'm poor, I don't have any money, I don't have a job, nobody loves me, I sleep on the floor, you know? Yeah. That's not fun for anybody here. I've never admired that. And I've always... You know, I'm now a full-time comedian. But after many years of holding lots of jobs and doing comedy, which I think certainly informed and helped my comedy, um, by not just like living off of my parents or something like that. Right. But um, you know, I think I, I certainly before I figured out how to turn dark into funny, and it's still not foolproof. I just I've come to traumatic things this year that I'm still trying to make funny, but I've made audiences uncomfortable a about. Which I'm still trying to crack. So there's a fine line between using the microphone as therapy, um, you know, and usually the outline is comedy. Kind of um, so yeah. you know, the last thing I want to do is get up there and pour a bunch of baggage into the laps of people that have come to laugh.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But the goal for me then would be to share my experience and hope that uh, by through skill, I'm able to make a joke about it. And then the person who's also lived that that is most certainly sitting in the audience, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, then can also find a way out of
1: their own pain. Yeah, I feel like...
0: Because of how I looked at
1: it. Yeah. I feel like vulnerability in anything is what makes it good, you know, in writing and comedy and everything. But I can see how there's... In everything, it's kind of like a fine line between oversharing or like I always feel like sometimes yeah know, even in like blogging and podcasting like I can get like a vulnerability hangover you know of like oh yeah probably exactly. of that you know but my favorite part of comedy is like when it is kind of dark and really emotional or you know I, I don't even my favorite part of comedians is like listening to them on on podcasts and like hearing them talk about real stuff not real stuff it's all like kind of based in reality I guess but like the serious-ish stuff you know and um just like connecting to people as people because it makes you feel less alone and less weird when someone else can say something you were thinking you know and I think that's like I think there's like a um Louis C.K. quote, I don't even know what the quote is, so I don't even know I'm saying this right now, but basically it's like, <laughs> it's basically he says that, like, it's a way to take something that people, uh, everybody's thinking, and, like, have them flip it on their, you might know the quote, like, flip it on their head and, like, see it in a completely different way. Or maybe it's Jerry Seinfeld. I don't even know. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a really interesting way to look at it. So I can imagine that must be, like, a fine line to To like dance around though,
0: yeah, and that's the thing, you know. Louis allowed to tell a bad joke, you know, as because we're all trying to figure it out. Nothing's polished. That's the hard part. Is you're seeing, you know, at least for most people, you're seeing us learn. You know, you guys are watching me grow on television. Not in the same way that we watch like the kids of Full House yeah. grow up. <laughs> you know. But and I'm not on T V all the time. I'm on T V intermittently. Uh but if you watch my sets in succession, Conan, Pete Holmes, Jimmy Kimmel, my Comedy Central special, it's gonna be different. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be different from the beginning to now. And it will probably change again
1: yeah and and people might be able to relate to different or they might even like different ones better than because of maybe the stage in life that they're in or something you know
0: absolutely, and I think too like um because i and um I have looked at a uh, comments section before not recently um, but um somebody will write something like uh essentially somebody wrote, and this is not even that bad. I'm not, like, hurt by this, but they're saying, I like, uh, or her set here at Uncon is not that good. You guys should go watch her Pete Holmes set. It's like, yeah, I didn't like you when you were fucking in sixth grade, but you're okay yeah. now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <It's> like, <Yeah. laughs> you were a dick as a third grader, um, but you're pretty cool now that you are an adult or an eighth grader. I mean, yeah. I
1: don't know, it's a horrible, horrible. Yeah, um, that's, Oh so yeah. That is really interesting to think of it that way. That you're you're really like growing up in the in the spotlight, you know. And it's yeah. Um, and you kind of said this earlier, but I've been saying this all the time. I think our twenties are just freaking crazy. You know, like we we grow up yeah. so quickly. And we change so quickly. And it's like the second adolescence that nobody, you know, tells you is going to happen. And then, you know, t- I yeah. cringe at even thinking how I was a year ago. And then two years ago, I like need to crawl under the table because I was like so crazy, you know. And then, yeah. And, and I have sure, it on fucking tape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think in, in five years from now, I'll look back on today and be like, oh my gosh, I said that thing to Beth, and I would be so much more mature right. in five years, you know. So. Yep. I think it's exactly. just you know, trying to not not judge yourself with your future, not judge your past self with your future self because as long as you were being real then, you did the yeah. best you could then and, and that's yeah that's still good, you know. And nothing can prepare you
0: for being on national T V. You can even say, Hey, do you wanna come in and rehearse your set, like on the set of conan, like right on the spot where you're gonna stop? You wanna come do that? And you're like, Okay, sure. It will never, ever be the same as him saying, "Please welcome Beth selling, and then you walking out of a curtain to a live audience and staring into a camera. Yeah. There's nothing. That is it. If you yeah. bomb so hard and you say, "Can we redo that?" Like maybe, sure. And then that second time's gonna be good. Even in my Comedy Central special, which is my greatest uh, accomplishment, arguably. Um, I mean, in in like a, societally, it's my greatest accomplishment. Um, I walked out. I did 30 minutes and then I left. Could I have retaken a joke if I thought it was really bad? Sure. But I've also never shot a Comedy Central special, so all I was doing is what I do, which is walk out, tell the jokes, and then leave. As opposed to if I were like super particular or really had a grip on what it is. Um, that I wanted to get across. It's like every time I do something, I learn. You know, I don't yeah. think I could have retold any better, I guess, than I did. Maybe. And all I had to do was say, hey, guys, can I take that again? And the live audience would have been like, wow, yeah, we're You know what I mean? Because they're there. Because they're having a freaking great time. Yeah. But I didn't. And you know who doesn't know that or care? Everybody. Mm. When you're watching my set at home, you don't p- pass around – this rumor that gets around to all the television is like, hey, did you hear she did this in one take? Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit if I did it in three takes? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. unless there's something like absolutely ridiculous, but I'm no one, so no one's gonna be saying, like, and did you hear? <laughs> you know,
1: yeah, also, there's
0: like, yeah, that's the, yeah,
1: well, now they can hear it on the Wellness Wonderland radio podcast. Now they know <laughs> that's amazing. That, I mean, that's so cool that. That you're,
0: but most most of the comics did. You know, there were a couple of people that were like, Hey, can I redate that? I swapped up the words,
1: yeah. but I would have just assumed of- that that's how it works. Like, I never even would have known that you can, that you had even an option to do that. Like, I well, yeah, but I didn't you think,
0: about, think about it, you're taking care of yourself by doing that. That's yeah. not a weakness. You're saying, I want this to be the best, right? Can I redo that?
1: Yeah, but I'm sure on some level you just have to let it go because you could say that a million times about, you know, editing things and and anything in life, you know, but at a certain point you just have to, like, be okay with putting it out there as a product. Totally. So what do you do on stage um, when things aren't going well or the audience isn't responding or you're just, like, you know, maybe you're five minutes into a show or, like, halfway through a show or even, you know just coming back to yourself when you're on TV or doing a set or anything, um, how do you shift, or even in life too, like when you're not, and how do you like get yourself back into the flow?
0: If I'm bombing, sometimes it's a runaway train, and we just got to get to the 45-minute mark of my contractually obligated time. Or I will get off five minutes early and um, no one will blame me because they wanted it to end as well. Um, yeah. If I'm bombing and usually sweating and uncomfortable. and there are some comments I love watching that when they bomb, they sort of like call it out. Um, you know, I do my best to like, I, it's a joke doesn't hit in the entire set that might not be going well. I can have a line about it or something like a recovery line or something. but mostly I'm just trying to get to the end.
1: So yeah. if it's going bad, there's really have you ever had an experience at a show where like it's going kind of bad but you turn it around and you bring it back up or not really.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've had a time where it's been like going okay, then I really lost him, and I got him at the end. Yeah. Um. Or. I yeah, it's more of a I had him and then I lost him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. there some times where, like, say I was set up badly or something, mm-hmm. like. Um,
1: like the person who
0: introduced say, you. Yeah. Like, say it's been a real bad show. And everyone hates it there, and then I have to go on. I've had, I've come through for them, you know. I've been like, hey, it's okay, you're in, you're in good hands.
2: Yeah.
0: But I've also just had to trudge through the misery of what they had already been through, because yeah. there's no going back.
1: That's a bummer.
0: Um, I've had unruly people who might feel scorned by that sort sort of thing, like. I've had people who don't like the show, and then I get brought up, and they assume they're also not going to like me, so they yell something out. Um, and I've had times where I can put them in their place, and then everybody else is on board. So, yeah.
1: There how are times handle... where people... Oh,
0: sorry. What? No, it's okay.
1: I was just going to ask how you handle hecklers, or if you have experiences with with that, yeah, or any, like I think funny, it's... weird things.
0: Yeah, it's different every time because, obviously, you know, the people are all different. The same heck we're show up every show, thankfully. Um, there have been really, really drunk girls that are just t- uh, taking away the focus of the show and interrupting. There have been really, really drunk dudes who are upset and a woman who's been talking for too long. There are people who are offended by my jokes and yell something out. Um, I have a bad example of that that's kind of like a hole to go down, but a just not too bad example, I guess would be some guy, I think I have, what was the joke that he got all upset about? Oh, sometimes I've opened in the past. I, I, I it depends. Sometimes I get in the pattern of using the same little opening one line. Um, I used it on camera and said, so like, it's great to be here. Instead of getting married and having kids, yeah, which to me, you know, and jokes can be taken in so many different ways. Usually, there's a wide-race of the way it's taken, which is I've given up so much for you,
2: right. is
0: essentially what I'm saying. Um, which That's I think is I funny, which is why which is why it comes out of my mouth because I think it's funny. So I'm yeah. there to have a good time. I'm there to make you laugh. He yelled out, "What's wrong with having kids?" So he already thinks I'm some sort of like. Anti-kids, anti-marriage, single lady, 30, and they're like, shit on you. It's like, no, I'm here to have a good time. Um, It's like my joke where I say, like, you can leave Ohio. I love Ohio. I grew up there. It was nothing but good to me. People I love live in Ohio. There's nothing wrong with Ohio. I could potentially move back. Who knows? It's a wonderful place. Yeah,
1: you're not saying it with judgment. It's just like, I totally got that from it. You know? Yeah,
0: it's a joke. And I live in the Midwest. I'm not I'm not running for president. Yeah. So when the guy's like, what's wrong with having kids? I go, are you a father? And He said, yeah. I said, that's what's wrong with having kids. Uh-
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then he yelled out one more time. And I said, and I forget what I said back. Oh, I think he yelled out one more time. And I go, are you just going to keep interrupting me? Because you're mad that I zinged you earlier and you wish that you could be up here talking and everybody laughed and he was silent the rest of the time because I was doing my job, which is telling jokes. And everybody was there to have a good time. Yeah. So that's one story that's not too bad.
1: It's an interesting profession where people can, I mean, I guess they're not supposed to, but people can trip you up in the middle of your thing and it's almost, like, accepted and part of it. And then you have to think so quickly on your feet to handle that or yeah. at least not let it throw you and i can't i right. can imagine like that just must be so hard yeah
0: i've absolutely been thrown yeah uh, yeah i have a story about my ex-stepdad and somebody was like "You disrespected my lord and savior and uh they, it was an older ish couple not old not like uh but old and then i'm like uh eh. I don't know, 45, 50. I'm horrible at telling age, and they were with a younger couple who was who's to know 20s, 30s, and they were um, a double date, and, but they also went to church together. So eventually, basically, I got the two older, the, the older couple to leave because they were so cruel and aggressive. And the younger couple stayed afterwards, and they just said, "We wanted to go apologize. We met them at church, and um, we never would have, a million years, would have expected him to yell that." we don't feel like you disrespecting the Lord and Savior, and thank you for coming to our town to perform. And I said, well, thank you. I have no desire to disrespect the Lord and Savior. However, most of my experiences within the church have been awful. Now, that's the key. Within the church, what church? One specific church, which does not mean all of Christianity. And on top of it, that's my experience. Right? I'm not, I'm not, I don't have some sort of agenda that makes people not believe in God. My family believes in God. When I'm home, I sometimes will attend church with my mom. I think for the most part, it's nice to listen to um, a story. A lot of the pastors in my denomination are storytellers, and it can be uplifting and nice to hear. Other times I've heard him say stuff like, um, you know, gay is a choice and a couple other things like that. And there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that some of the kids in the kids section of that congregation are taking a deep gulp and sliding down their seats because they're absolutely gay yeah. so yeah this is a whole that's why i didn't originally bring this up because i have no sort of aggressive stance on whether people should believe or not believe It's kind of teach their own on that but
2: yeah.
0: yeah it bothered me that he thought i was doing that and i'm i'm not quick to jump to um someone hating women i don't like think all men are out to get me I just think that that man was sick of hearing a woman talk for more than 30 minutes because his wife said they're real quiet
1: so that's my judgment on him yeah yeah so I want to talk about your process a little bit because I think that that's um, probably fascinating so what when are you most inspired to write and what does kind of your typical day look like like when you don't have a show and um, can you just walk us through what happens like when, like where yeah. do you get your material and, and what happens when you get an idea, like do you carry journals with you, like when are you most inspired yeah I think I have a joke when I say
0: my feelings are like a studio album, they don't come out until like 11 months after the events that inspired them so a lot of times things will happen to me, it just takes me a lot to process process yeah. I had jokes in my album about um, a bad relationship that I got out of this summer. And that was taped in September. So, June, July, August, I had about two and a half months to process that. So, a lot of those things are raw and not finished. And I put them on because I wanted to. Um, but yeah, usually it usually takes me a while to process it and turn it into a joke. But um, it's a series of like trial and error. And uh, sometimes things last for a week and then I get disinterested in them. Sometimes things will happen to me and I'll tweet it. Sometimes things will happen to me and I'll put it in my tweets and save it as a draft and then scroll through my tweet drafts before a show and then think of all the things that I was going to potentially joke about but didn't feel like were finished. Um, sometimes I'll sit down and write. My girlfriends and I, um, who are comics, this summer, like late summer, we did a little writing retreat, which i would never done. We just like all rented a place up in Ohio and force ourselves to write on different topics and just write about all kinds of things. Um, And that was the first time I did that since I was 22. I don't really sit down and, like, write, free write or write in chunks. I opened for Anthony Jelzenek on the road all the last year, and he does a thing usually where he's like um, a daily ritual of writing through jokes. I did that for a while. Kind of different, I think, for everybody, but Mostly things happen to me. I write down a sentence or a couple words, usually one or two words, sometimes just one word, and then I put it on a piece of paper that's small and I take it on stage with me, and I press record on my voice memo thing, and then I go. And then I um, either never listen to the voice memo or I just know I have it there and when I want to. And sometimes I'll get, like, in a really worky mode and I'll listen to a ton of them and write them down word for word. But that's really my process.
1: Wait, so you're... But Findings, you write it down and then you voice record it so you hear yourself like giving the joke?
0: Um, On stage.
1: Oh, on at stage, a show. you record it.
0: Got it. Yeah, so sometimes I'll come up with something in the first time that I'll try it is in front of an audience.
1: So when you're doing a show, but that, that is takes a while. written out? Like, do you have the whole, like, I'm going to say this joke and then after that, this joke, this joke, this joke? Or is it more fluid? I'll,
0: yeah, nothing's all written out, like, verbatim. Mm-hmm. Um... I had to turn in um, a transcript for my half hour, so those jokes are written out, but I had to, like, sit down and listen to them and type them out. You can also, like, pay someone to do that, but whatever. Um, Or there's an app for it, too. You send a voice memo. But, um, yeah, so those are typed out because I had to for, obviously, like... But that was after you did the show.
1: So before you did the show, you just knew you had, like, a set in your mind of jokes?
0: Yeah, so, like... They needed to approve the transcript. Oh, but so. that's actually more for... So, yeah, that's before I shot my special. That's really so they can be like, don't say Taco Bell because they're a sponsor. Yeah. Um, But, um, but yeah, usually. mostly nothing. written out. Mostly it's just one word on a piece of paper, which is called usually a set list. So I have a notebook that just basically has, like sometimes around seven to eight words on a piece of paper. And then I go up on stage and then I look down at it and then I talk.
1: So it's it's with you on stage.
0: Yeah. A lot of times people are upset by that. Um, that's not true. Not a lot of times. Some people are against that. They don't, they think it's unprofessional to have a set list on stage with you. Um, but it depends on the circumstance. You know like my special obviously I don't have a set list up there with me but those are jokes that um were tried and true
1: yeah so yeah but more like when you're going when you're just like going about your business in life have you ever like do you keep a notebook with you then where you write stuff down or just write stuff in your phone or like have you ever been i just write stuff in my phone
0: yeah i'll write like a sentence or two in my phone or or i'll voice record it
1: in my phone Have you ever been bummed that you've, like, had an idea and then, like, been in the shower or something and lost it? Or, like, do ideas – where do ideas usually come to you? Or, like, do you ever, like, wake up in the middle of the night with an idea? Or, like, when do you get most of your inspiration? Is it, like, during the day?
0: Yeah, it's usually when I'm, like, showering or driving, when I'm, like, occupying my – what is it? Occupying my light brain? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and then I totally lose ideas, Absolutely. Just like dreams, like when you wake up and your dream's gone.
1: Yeah, it's such a bummer.
0: Yeah. I just stuff to, over the years, and instead of getting, like, really angry at myself, I just say, well, if it was there, it'll come back. Yeah. Because there's literally nothing else I can do.
1: Have you read, um, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic?
0: Uh-uh.
1: It's about creativity, and it's it's really good. You should, you should check it out. It's a really quick read. Cool. I read it in a day, but she talks about, um and she actually has a TED talk about this. I think it's like Emily Dickinson or like some really famous poet would say that like ideas come to would come to her and sometimes she'd be like out in the field and they would just go away cuz she couldn't get back to the house in time to write them down or if she would they would like come back into her mind but like backwards and like all jumbled up or something and so like the point of the story was that like creativity is fleeting and it can come to you and if it doesn't hit you it'll either hit it another time or like you said or it'll like move on to the next like able-bodied mind so I don't know it's a it's a cool book I think you'd like it
0: I'll have to check it out
1: yeah, yeah, it's cool. Do you ever have you ever had writer's block or like periods where you just feel really uninspired and to to write or make new material?
0: Totally. Absolutely. It's frustrating when you feel like a failure cuz it's like your only job really.
1: How do you move past that? What is your do you have any like tools for like getting yourself back into the flow? Do you force yourself to try or do you just kind of like live your life and and hope that it's you find some stuff that's worth like commenting on
0: yeah just kind of live your life try to spend time with other people um do something fun yeah but it can sometimes it's a long time not being able to think of anything and you just have to kind of be okay yeah. with
1: it do you ever get nervous of how something that you wrote um will affect other people especially when your jokes are about you know your family or people close to you do you tell them about it before or do you just do it and then they see it when they see it
0: usually do it and they see it when they see it
1: yeah
0: I you know I like to think I'm a good person so my goal is never to hurt anybody yeah but I you know the goal is not to hurt anybody however I think there are times that I've written things to absolutely get someone's attention or to show them that they hurt me. Um, I don't specifically say that in my head when I'm writing it. It's more of like an action, you know? Mm -hmm. It's more of like a... a,
1: Subconscious.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can look back at some of my earliest material about a family member and think, yeah, that's what I was doing. But at the time, I was just kind of living it saying it because I needed to you know yeah and you felt it yeah but sometimes I want to get at somebody like I'm angry at my brother-in-law um because in my opinion I he doesn't treat my sister the way that she should be treated and um so I wrote a joke that says I brought my sister with me to Maui when I did when I opened for Patton novel at the end of last month, and I wrote, um, "Can't wait to give my sister a break in um From being a single mom, I mean, she has a husband, but he's a child, mm. so um, he didn't like that. But I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> he deserves yeah. it.
1: I guess it's just like like I would make that joke just in life, you know, like to another person if like if I had that situation about my sister you know and so I yeah. and even if it hurt him if he was like that I wouldn't care so what's yeah. the difference between you doing it on stage if you really feel it then you know me doing right. it to like a, another friend you know so I guess that may, totally exactly. makes totally
0: sense yeah. yeah and I don't use his name like obviously there's like there's another joke about that i trying to work out, which doesn't really make sense and it's more graphic, but um, yeah, I can't, like, slander somebody.
1: Right, right. So. Do you have, like, a favorite bit that you've written or just a bit that you love doing that you just, feels really personal to you or you just, you know that it's it's just, like, a favorite of yours for some reason?
0: Yeah, I have just, just like, a one-liner that um, I like and I just say, my mom still lives at home, loser.
2: <laughs>
0: um, so that's about it. I mean, like, I just like it because it's clever. it's so easy and funny. I love and weird that, and yeah. Yeah. Now, there's more to the story on that. Like, I told it on last call with Carson Daily and my mom watched it, and she was hurt. My mom's such a smart woman that I couldn't possibly fathom how she would be hurt. I didn't understand why she didn't understand it. And I had to explain it to her. <laughs> that's like, um, that, that why, would be my mom. Yeah, but she's so smart and just very unlike her, in my opinion, to, like, not get that joke. It's like, Mom, of course you live at home. It's your freaking home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it would be mean if I said, if my sister actually was at home because she was, for whatever reason, you know, couldn't make it on her own. And I said, my sister still lives at home, loser. Yeah, that's not a joke. That's just, a mean thing. It's yeah. a mean sentence. A mean fact. But to say, my mom still lives at home, there. It? yeah, it's a misdirect is all. Yeah, yeah, and it's so if
1: cute. If I say, I grew, up,
0: I grew up in Ohio, my mom raised us in Ohio, my mom still lives at home, loser, that's, you get it, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. a misdirect, you think. I'm describing where my mother lives and then I call her loser yeah. for living in the home that she raised us son anyway um, yeah she got upset by that and I actually that made me cry because mm. the last thing I want to do is hurt my mother yeah. Um, yeah so
1: I feel like that was the a bummer. Only thing she could have thought like your mom still lives at home like if she lived with your grandparents you know then that would be right. like that yeah. would be a different thing but yeah that's like thinking way too much into it <laughs> And missing the point, but yeah, no, it's an amazing (laughs) joke. (laughs) So I'm really into journaling and, like, writing to process my feelings, and, like, I don't know what I'm thinking unless I'm writing. Do you ever journal or keep journals or write about your feelings to process them, or does it usually just come out in a different way? Yeah.
0: In short, no. (laughs) I have journal every, like, every six months or something, but that's... Yeah, no. I mean, it sounds silly, but I guess my stand-up is a living journal. Yeah, live journal. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people wonder if what I talk about is true, and um, yeah, the answer is yes. In eight years, you know, like, I'm sure there are certainly things that are biased from my point of view. There's right. always two sides to the story. There are things I have exaggerated, but not and the one thing I haven't exaggerated that you've would you would go to and think I was is a story about my dad and the amount of raccoons he has in his backyard, but that's just like straight up true. Mm-hmm. Um, there really are 73 back there, or there were, he's been transporting them, but um, only thing that I've taken, not from my own life, but a friend's life, it's just one of many biking stories. Like it's actually in my special, but I have a joke um about, a guy saying excuse me sir and that's true oh, yeah. um yeah that happened to me but um my friend aaron is the one uh that had a guy lean over her and say sex <laughs>
2: um
0: and she told me that one day and she was like you can use that and i think like, okay and then of course i wrote the joke but the experience happened to her right and then i wrote the i wrote the joke which is and then i responded no and then the tag is um uh, I had to write away oh it's hard to write away after you collaborate like that mm-hmm. something like that I <laughs> you, yeah. you just
1: said like it this happened to my friend instead of saying it happened to you or is that what you did? Um, oh, I mean I could say it happened to
0: my friend just to make my stand up uh, 100% instead of 99, 99, 99% <laughs> yeah, well, what's the... me and true but it's just I get, you know, arguably the yeah, comedy, um, yeah, economy of words. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when a comic's like the other day, I
1: mean, seven years ago when you yeah.
0: first wrote the joke.
1: Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, so something else that we talk about a lot on this podcast is body image. And, um, since it's been my biggest struggle personally, I, Want to know from you, um, especially working in the entertainment industry where your look is so crucial to to what you do and just the fact that you stand up in front of a lot of people and and speak, um, have you ever struggled with body image and what are some things that you do to to make you feel um, really confident when you're on stage and what you're doing and wearing and how you're presenting yourself in, in front of an audience or on TV or whatever you're doing?
0: Yeah, um, my confidence usually will come from my performance um, or my, you know, my belief in my skill. So, um, but yeah, I've certainly struggled with body image. When I first started, I was heavier and um so I told jokes about that and they're self-deprecating and uh, I like those jokes it's not painful for me to look back you know it's just true that being said I also like obviously had a certain amount of confidence to get up on stage and um, talk about them you know but that's me at 22 and just out of college and I have jokes now about losing the weight so it's like I have jokes all, all along the way of all the different ways my body has been I think um, I've had feelings in the past about being in this industry where I felt like I either had to be really fat or really thin, and those are the only two options. Um, I because
1: mean, those are it's kind not, of the only two sizes that are represented yeah, in the media, like which is the problem. Archetypes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've strayed away from even that. I think there's a place for everybody you know, not, not, I mean, I do think that, and I have to think that, um, so yeah, whereas it's less, like, you know, in the past, it's felt a lot like one girl at a time, please, and that's still somewhat kind of true, but I think there really is, there is room for everybody, it's not like, well, she gets it, then I don't get it, it's like, well, if she gets it, then that means that I have a chance too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I, as I've aged, I think I've sort of chilled out a bit on the. Uh, I use the term like binge eating lightly. I thankfully I've never dealt with like a severe eating disorder. I think that some people are more predisposed to that, and thankfully I'm I'm not one of them. Um, where I was like binging and then purging or not feeding myself. But yeah, there are times I certainly I was more an issue of like overeating, mm-hmm. I think, um, and not moving my body enough. So, but yeah, I absolutely still to this day I have times where it's a very mental thing. I can I can weigh myself and I'll weigh the same, but I'll feel so fat, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you never like hearing it from another woman because you see her how so she probably really is. You know, you might if I if I you know. Say you love my body. <laughs> say, I've had a girl come up to the after a show, for example, and say, I'm not kidding. This has probably happened more than once. I love your legs. And it's like, thank you. I love my legs, too. It's like I worked hard for my legs. I work out and I do the bar method. And I was a gymnast for many years. And I played field hockey. And I joke about them being my party guys, mm-hmm. which is... Um, all uh, uh, the player ball sisters, which are girls I that I did and do comedy with, but um, yeah, it's like we're all looking at each other, and if I, you know, if, if I got up there and I said, I feel fat, well, that girl wouldn't like me, <laughs> and she wouldn't come up to me afterwards and say, I like your thighs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I think because I talk about that, I was big that also helps girls warm up to me um because it's like I've been through the struggle type type of attitude um or just yeah. relatable
1: maybe that you know I think so many yeah. women struggle with myself completely with body image yeah. and eating disorders and you know I there's this crazy statistic that um 75 percent of women have like disordered eating of some sort and it, it makes sense, you know, because the, the diet industry and the health movement is is crazy and growing, and then also the media, like you said, it really only shows, you know, two types of women, and, um, and so I think, like, having more diversity in the media is so important, and to, my friend has this blog post about, it's, like, called The Ode to the Medium-Sized Woman, and a, just basically about how there's these two extremes and there's not as much. And that's changing a bit with, you know, some really great examples. But, um, but yeah, it has to be something that it's sad that, that it's something that we talk about. Like if it was a male comedian, they may not, you know, I would ask if they were on the show because it's like the main topic I talk about is body image. But, like, people probably don't ask, you know, male comedians about their bodies as much, you know?
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, a lot of them, you know, I, I sometimes find myself frustrated if I'm on a shoot and, um, our job is to be funny and the guy is ready in about five minutes and I'm sitting there looking at my materials while I'm getting my hair done and my makeup put on. Yeah. Frustrating to me.
1: Yeah. Do you like Um, that stuff? Like, do you think it's fun to, um, like pick out your looks for the shows or is it just kind of like an added thing that you have to do? I mean, I guess they have to Think about curating an yeah, image as
0: well. It but. can, it can be very fun, and it can be the worst thing ever.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so if I'm with somebody I trust, it can be nice. But if I'm with somebody who I don't think, in my opinion only, they know what they're doing, then it can be mm. very
1: stressful,
0: anxiety filled. Yeah. Because I, I can imagine that. Yeah, and there are times where you know, even mm. today at lunch, I that with two comics, and one of the girls just did something for Pepsi, and she's like, I hate, hated my makeup, and the other girl goes, I loved it, you know, because yeah.
1: yeah. we noticed every little thing about us,
0: yeah, and that's just the way it is.
1: Yeah, we're really hard on ourselves, I think, as, as women, especially with our physicality.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Which is hard, so... Okay, it so, is. It's hard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think the most thing to do is, you know, I'm not against, I'm absolutely not against uh, talking about it. That's like, you certainly have to, but sometimes I feel like my job is to just exist as a comic,
2: mm-hmm. the way that
0: I am. Yeah. Because uh, then some girls see me and what I do, and sure, I might have some jokes about it here or there, but because I exist as me and the way I look, that's
1: enough mm, so good that's my master plan Teach. well said yeah I love that um yeah okay so let's wrap with some quick fire questions I've already kept you way over longer than I said I would but this has been great I'll
0: do it all
1: right so what's your favorite color purple is
0: my first come to mind answer so right. I'm gonna go with that go with
1: that um, yeah but
0: i do i definitely am um particular about colors <laughs> but I like purple
1: nice um what piece of advice would you give to your twenty five year old self
0: oh gosh twenty five what a year it was um, t- advice to my twenty five year old self I'm trying to think about where I was I mean this is something I majorly um still struggle with, but listen to yourself, it's so, like, cliche, and, um, very broad and hard to grasp, even, but, yeah, try to listen to
1: yourself, nice. trust, trust yourself, yeah. yeah. It's cliche, because it's true, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's something you've learned in the past year? I am in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, kind
0: of like uh, what I told you, even with my special, where like I told you, I don't regret the way that it turned out at all, but all I had to do was was remember that it's my special and my name's on it. So if I want to take something again, I can. Truly no regrets on that, but I am in church.
1: Nice. Um, Okay, so I ask these questions to everybody, and I really like them because it really gives you a – like peek into their lives so what are the first few things you do when you wake up in the morning some morning routines that you have that are kind of your non-negotiables that you do when you get out of bed um, and how they affect how the rest of your day goes and then the same thing for the evening what are the last few things you do before you go to sleep
0: oh dear yeah these are things that I need to change and this is so funny because I was I was in Maui and I got a massage and the lady. I was like, I need to drink more water. And the lady was like, have you been trying to change that? Or she said, have you, do you want it? Or she said, it was perfect. I'm sure I wrote it down somewhere, but she was like, I forget if she said, do you want to change that? No, because I said, I need to drink more water. And she goes, have you been making an attempt to change that or something like that? And I was like, <laughs> I loved how kind of harsh it was because it's like, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> So like no, I want to really. change that I look at yeah but I want to change that I look at my phone before I go to bed and the first thing I do in the, in the morning, uh, but that is what I do. Mm-hmm. I look at my phone, um, email, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah, I need to change that. But then it's coffee, and um, I make I'll usually make coffee on my v 60 um, and think that's like that's just kind of a that's it. I if when I was doing my when I was doing my daily ritual I would write three jokes. Usually it would be garbage but
1: yeah. Yeah, just how um, to do it. So are your yeah, days then, really unstructured then since you usually have shows at night, do you have to make any structure for yourself to like do work at a specific time or like do you have to leave the house to to like work somewhere else or like how, what's kind of your process to like motivate yourself to be productive?
0: Fairly, fairly unstructured. And because I have been traveling so much on the weekend to different cities to do stand up clubs, I've allowed myself to get so out of whack that when I am even here, I'm not structured well. When I'm around and I'm in a good rhythm and I feel in control, I'm waking up, I'm going to do the bar method or I'm hiking I'm thinking of jokes, and then I'll come home and listen to a set or two and think about my set for that night, for that show.
1: So one big thing that you do is listen to your old sets and kind of learn from them and critique them. Is that kind of a big thing you do each?
0: I could absolutely do it more, but yes. (laughs)
1: Cool.
0: I could absolutely do it more. I avoid it sometimes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I bet it's... um, does hearing your own voice, is that does that freak you out now or have you done it so much that it's just like you kind of are past that and it's just... Yeah,
0: I'm, t- I'm totally fine with it. I'm mostly just listening to the material.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. Okay, so this is a fun one. You you were having a party and you can invite five people. What Who would you invite? Mm-hmm. What would you make? And what do you hope that someone turns and asks you about at the dinner party and what do you hope that someone doesn't ask you about that you don't feel like talking about?
0: Mm. Okay. The five people I invite.
2: That's hard.
0: I guess my mom, my sister Megan, my sister Hannah, Mary Hollis, my best friend, and the guy that I'm dating, Sam. And I'll make, oh,
2: what
0: my mom also <laughs> I won't make Chipotle. I'm just kidding. Chipotle is good. I don't know what I would make.
1: You could make I homemade guess, like, Chipotle. A, that would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I think I would make, like, um, really good steak and vegetables. Nice. And um, I would hope... Somebody asked me about, they're all people I know and love, but I would love to talk about um, my nieces and nephews. I could talk about them the whole time. And then I would hope nobody asked me about my meetings or what I'm working on or who I met with and all of that
1: yeah. business stuff. Nice. Um, yeah what is the um, the best and worst advice you've ever gotten mmm man
0: I think the worst advice I've just tuned out um good yeah I <laughs> don't even need that
1: what's the best advice
0: yeah um I I can't even really attribute it to anybody. It's just something that I give to other people, too. But it's just, yeah, do what you think is funny. Yeah. Also, you know, I've had friends in the past who have pulled me out of things by saying, like, there is something for you that's just isn't it. So, yeah
1: nice you Uh, did
0: well on something that wasn't built for you
1: that type of thing yeah that's a good one too so um you're trapped on a deserted island and you can bring with you one person one tv show to binge watch one book one movie and one food go i would binge watch parks and rec i would bring the book a
0: poetry book um Oh, shit. Sorry, sorry. I just pulled out a plug with my foot. Um, (laughs) I would bring a poetry book. I have this um, one from college. It's just like a pocket anthology of poetry that thing one came out with. Um, What what were the other ones? Movie and food. Movie. Movie. Um. Movie. This is Doubtfire. Uh person on a deserted island, yeah. I guess I would have to have a penis um I'll say the guy I'm doing Sam Sam, um, yeah, and then
1: a food you wouldn't get sick of
0: oh, I guess Indian food, which is such a bad idea for a hot deserted island without a toilet you're
1: but like the whole i'm gonna island do it. can be your toilet. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah indian food rice and curry
1: nice that sounds pretty nice indian food parks yeah. and rec pretty <laughs> Go good life yeah it's <laughs> not so bad um okay so now recommend just like a couple things in a couple categories so like a song you're loving right now a movie you're loving right now um, and maybe mm-hmm. like a book you're loving right now or anything else that just like you're loving right now?
0: Yeah. Song. Um, I I just got Adele's new album and I haven't really, I've, I've listened to it of course, but I've really only listened on repeat the first two songs on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, so Adele 25. I, I, I also love Sia. She, her new thing, I think it's called This Is Acting. I'm not answering your question at well. little. but no, i um, on repeat, Yeah, so I'm going to repeat, I guess. Um, Lapsley is the artist and the song is Hurt Me, um, but also Alive by Sia. Anyway, cool. um, movie, Whew. I really liked the documentary about Amy Winehouse.
1: Oh I, yeah, I've been wanting to see that. I I almost went to see that in the theater, but ended up seeing something else. Yeah, I need to watch it.
0: Yeah. And then book. I just got a couple of new ones. Um, my friend Emily Gordon. She wrote this book oh, called. She's so cool. Super you. Yes. Yeah.
1: She's so cool. So, I'm obsessed with her.
0: yeah she's a great person. She um she worked with me on my Kindle side actually.
1: It's so cool. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, I've loved her on the Pete Holmes podcast and that's how I found out about you too, actually.
0: Cool. Yeah, Pete's a good dude.
1: Yeah, he's so cool. I love his podcast.
0: Yeah. so yeah. And then Carrie Brownstein's new book too. It's called Hunger Makes Me um what's that Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl? Yeah. Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl. I'm a memoir by Carrie Brownstein.
1: Cool. I'm gonna check that out too. Um, what is like a weird pet peeve about yourself, or something that like not many people would know about you?
0: I um
1: um yeah, I'm just not very good saying
0: what I want to be exact person. Yeah, it's been bothering me lately.
1: Nice. <laughs> you can, I, I'm trying to think. I, I could say what the massage therapist said. Like. Well, are you trying to change that?
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Uh, we'll see. It's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> I, I struggle with that too. Um, yeah. What's your biggest like goal that you're working towards, like either in your career, just in general in your life, or something that, that you're working towards or something that you want? This is good. This is what you're asking, telling what you want. <laughs> this is practice. Yeah, exactly.
0: Working towards saying what I want whether it's at a restaurant or in a relationship or and saying what I need like what I want and need being able to say it to a person I need to without feeling like I'm inconveniencing them or you know um yeah I need to do a better job of yeah getting like in touch with myself finding out what I actually do want and not just doing it to Make someone else's life easier, please somebody else or sometimes you think that you're pleasing someone else and it's just like not even good for them either. So what was the point? Um Yeah. And then just working towards my new hour special. I wanna have like a really good hour special to put out for people. Yeah.
1: Cool. I can't wait. It's gonna be so amazing. Um,
0: thank you Katie.
1: seriously thank you so much for coming on the show and everything you shared and this is this is so amazing so thank you for being here and then the last question that i ask everyone um as you know the name of this podcast and my blog is the wellness wonderland so when i offer that term to you beth to live in a wellness wonderland what comes up what does that mean to you
0: that means like the bar method um Times a week hiking outside and um, eating paleo and having good, delicious coffee and having good conversations and listening to yourself and um, being in a healthy relationship with friends and all of us.
1: Amazing. So great. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is so much fun. Thanks for thanks for doing this and being here and figuring out the, the phone stuff and, and hanging yeah. out with me. <laughs>
0: no problem, thanks for having me on, I'm glad that you uh, found me
1: yeah, this is amazing, so thank you so much, and maybe next time you're in Columbus, I can um, come down and see a show and hopefully meet you in person
0: that sounds good
1: and if you're ever in Detroit, I'll see you too (laughs) okay, cool that sounds good All right. I'm so excited, you guys, because Zeb, the founder of my new favorite journals, which I have right in front of me, North Books, is on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the
3: podcast, Zeb. Thank you, Katie. It's really awesome to be here.
1: So tell me, why did you want to start a company that is doing stationery, that is doing journals? Obviously, I'm a huge fan of journals. So why did you want to make these?
3: Uh, I didn't set out to make journals at all. I, I had a software startup that uh, was struggling, and I needed to pull something else together to kind of sustain myself, really. And I looked and said, I want to be able to sell a physical product, something where I don't have to figure out the business model. And the things that I had with me, and the things that a lot of kind of people on startups and geeks, and just in the city, I'm in New York, I have with them is a notebook, no matter how you know, technologically savvy we are, most of us still carry around and appreciate paper and and office settings and freelance settings and coffee shop settings. Uh, So I really look for what would I use and what would I not be embarrassed to sell to a friend and what did I think I could take on? Uh, And and Notebooks just fit all those uh, pieces for me.
1: That's so cool. So when did the company begin and how are things going now?
3: Uh, Northbooks started only a little over a year ago. Uh, and it's been a very exciting and bumpy road, (laughs) but it's, uh, it's going really well right now. I'm really counting my blessings. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm able to, you know, cover expenses and grow and start to design new product lines. I'm able to kind of, I do all the design and, uh, choose all the kind of papers and I've done so much learning about how that works, who can do what in the, in, in the business, how I can get them printed, how I can get them distributed and, uh, it's just been it's just been super super learning phase for you know the first six months and now uh, I'm about to do that again as I you know, branch out into uh, new kind of types of notebooks.
1: Cool, cool. So what's been you know a challenge as an entrepreneur that you've had that you've learned something from or you can advice you can give to someone that has a cool idea that might want to start something?
3: Uh, I, I mean my biggest advice is just to, uh, choose something you're passionate enough about where you'll ride out the hard stuff. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Uh, and then to, you know, connect with, uh, a couple of friends or mentors that, uh, have some experience that you can, uh, bounce things off of when you're, when you're having a hard time and other people that you can help and kind of, they can bounce things off you and you can help them grow. I think when you're able to like give back and get a little from a peer group or kind of collaborators, then I think uh, you're in a good space to learn and grow.
1: Yeah, that's really good advice. So with North Books, what makes them different? What makes them unique? Can you tell us a little bit about the products and how they're sold and, and why people, what people are saying about them, what the reaction has been? Obviously, I'm your newest fangirl because I love them and I've been giving them out at my book launches and people are loving them, but I want to hear it from you
3: well thank you you're awesome to say that uh we've been really well received but not not in like a flood out of the gate now we are uh but it was slow at first and i didn't know if it would work for many months uh it wasn't until kind of i got through q4 and uh end of november end of december that i thought it was going to be a viable business after last summer but really what sets us apart is uh we keep it simple it's uh, we're just higher quality uh, materials and paper, uh, and we, we are designed, sourced, and made on the USA. So I wanted to kind of fill the hole that I think is on a lot of marketplaces where, you know, if you want to buy a nice journal, uh, you either have like a knockoff drugstore or staples type brand, or you have like Rhodia from France, where you're going to pay like a lot of money, or, you know, the big uh, elephant in the room is, is Moleskin, and they are pretty high quality, but uh, you know a lot of people don't know or ignore the fact that they rely on China and Vietnam for all their production, so you're still buying kind of uh, something that's relying on cheap labor out of the country and, and being imported and sold in mass in the stores. So we want to be like the smaller uh, made in the USA. we say made with heart in the USA kind of yeah. version.
1: I love that. I love the made I'm looking at it on the back made with heart in the USA. Can we tell people? where they're made, and how did you decide on Ann Arbor? It's so cool, it's so close to me. Uh,
3: I, that was trial and error. I, I did a lot of research after my first print run was actually in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg, right near where I live. I live near the Williamsburg Bridge. And uh, I learned a ton printing locally because I got to go into the plant and see how they did everything. Uh, and I also learned that a lot of people can't print notebooks. It's not, uh, it's not a skill set that every printer has. Uh, so, you know, about a quarter of those first-run notebooks were no good. So that's when I ended up searching for uh, a higher-quality printer that I, that I could rely on for this special, this special kind of product. And uh, the Midwest just seems to have a lot of that old industry still kind of uh, thriving. And that's how I ended up back in Michigan.
1: Very cool. Are you from Michigan?
3: No, oh. I'm not. I just visited. Uh, I, just thought, I
1: just heard you said back, so I thought yeah. you were... Well, next time you're in Ann Arbor, if you're ever in Ann Arbor, we should get together in person.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, obviously, the next time you're in New York, that would be nice, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been great. I'm so excited to talk to you. Congrats about a year plus of North Books. And thank you so much for your support of my book tour and the podcast and like you said, as soon as we connected and and you reached out that it might be a fit, I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. And it was so funny because I actually had ordered on Amazon a couple, I think they came in like a four pack or something to send out with my books to a couple people. And they're the exact same size, the perfect size of my book, like they match it perfectly. So for anyone who has my book and wants a supplement journal, because I say right in the book that it's not a workbook, you need a a journal and one that, like you said, you don't want to be embarrassed to carry around, grab my book, grab one of Zeb's North books and they're a perfect complement to each other. They fit perfectly um, next to each other. So anyway... Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Tell people where they can get your notebooks and how they can keep in touch with you. Are you on social media? Tell us everything.
3: Yeah, well, thank you for all that, uh, you know, Your story and journaling, I mean, that's kind of part of the naming of North Books, too, was the idea that uh, putting things on paper helps you find direction, and adding North in the name was part of that. I also have a nephew named North, so that was also part of the naming. It was on the tip of my tongue a lot. Uh,
1: Uh, And I didn't even ask that question, but I forgot, so that's perfect. I'm glad that it worked in.
3: Yeah, and, you know, a lot of the people love us the most because we generally have higher quality paper than anybody else out there. We just spend a little more on, on materials, but we don't have, like... Ribbons, and although we will soon in the future, but we don't have like bands and pockets and and fancy things. We're like very basic, but very, like simple and elegant and 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 pretty and durable. So that's that's mostly why people get with us. Uh, On Amazon, is where we sell a ton straight to consumer, uh, and that's where you can see the most reviews. Uh, We sell in one, three, and five packs of the soft covers that you've been mentioning. We have some hard covers as well, Uh, and. We're on northbooks.com. So NorthBooks with a go in front of it is our handle for most things. It's our URL. Uh, we're on Facebook. I'll answer any questions right away on there. We're on Instagram where you posted recently. Uh, and we love to hear from people on Instagram and see pictures of people using the journals. Uh, and we're very open to ideas and growing with people. Right now, a lot of people are loving the dot grids and using us as uh, – a because bullet journaling is kind of taking off uh, Mm -hmm. as a trend and people are really loving our journals for that. Uh, We do custom cover front uh, uh, notebooks for businesses. So for instance, like WeWork bought uh, a bunch of notebooks for their employees and they did their own design on the front cover and we do keep the back cover. So we're doing some business to business stuff like that too. And so, yeah, we can help businesses and we can help uh, just everybody who just wants it affordable, because especially when you buy in packs, we get really affordable.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, simple journal that uh, is good for every day, fling in your bag and, and, and use in meetings or in class or wherever.
1: Oh, they're so good and they're so not heavy, which I love because when you're walking around all day, like I do, you can just put in your backpack and It's not heavy and I'm just sitting here smiling like I'm so glad we connected. My dream to have a sponsor that was a journal company has now come true. So I'm so glad that this is such a perfect aligned sponsor to the Let It Out podcast because it's so perfect for my Let It Out book, my book about journaling, it couldn't be better. So thank you so much for coming on the show.
3: Thank you Katie and thank you to your fans and readers.
1: Alright guys, there you have it. Go ahead and tweet at Beth and tell her thank you for coming on the podcast. Be sure to check out North Books. They sound really awesome, right? They're super cool. Check them out. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Thank you to Beth for coming on the show. And next week on the podcast, I have the amazing Elizabeth D'Alto. So if you don't know Elizabeth D'Alto, do your research this week. Or you can just wait and I'll tell you all about her next week. Until then, make sure you grab your tickets for Toronto. If you live in Toronto, I would love to see you. If you don't live in Toronto, you should come too. It's a great city. And in the meantime, help out the show by sharing it with a friend. That's really helpful. Subscribing on your cellular device, also really helpful. Leaving a review on iTunes, very helpful. Checking out my book. You know where to find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Leaving a review on there is super nice of you. Thank you to everyone who's left one. And you know what? I just, I really love you guys. Oh, sign up for my email list. That's how you get all the updates. And there's a private Facebook group for everyone who listens to the podcast to meet each other, hang out, chat, share cool links. You know, just be like internet friends. It's really fun. So make sure you join that. The link to that is in the show notes. It's called the Let It Out Listener Squad, I think. And it's, it's really a good time over there. So, all right, I love you guys. I am going to go to bed now. Talk to you later. Bye. Hmm.